Welcome again to New Covenant Conversations. We're now into our sixth episode where we're talking about uh, a better understanding of covenant and covenant theology, divine covenants particularly. Uh, we haven't actually gotten to our exposition of text, but we're still talking about getting a good grip on what we mean when we talk about covenant, divine covenants, covenant theology. Uh, Stuart is joining me again for, did I already say episode six? Not so, yet. So uh, we're enjoying uh, continuing this conversation. All right. Yeah. So, Dad, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, introduce yourself as well? <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm Gary Elliott, and uh, glad to have this opportunity. Uh, particularly happy to be able to have these conversations shared with you that Stuart and I have been enjoying over the many years and now uh, putting up so that other people can uh, share in them as well. Yeah. So, as you said, this is episode six, and we are um, continuing uh, our conversation from episode five, which is when we finally were able to get into definitions of covenant theology. And we left off that episode, um, hopefully uh, putting up a few uh, cautions and some guardrails um, that will help direct and hedge in our uh, definition in our um, continued exploration of, of covenant theology. Um, and as we were working through some working definitions, I think we were able to get a more, uh, hopefully a comprehensive um, understanding of, of what covenant is. And we read from several different theologians in the past um, and their attempts at giving a good working definition of covenant theology. And that was one of the things that we found helpful was to think of these as working definitions as opposed as, uh, as opposed to a, a too strict of a theoretical definition, but really a definition that can be drawn out of um, the text, drawn out of the full orbed biblical uh, dealing of covenant as you read through scripture. Um, and that's been a helpful uh, guardrail for me, I think, is to not get too specific too fast. Um, but to allow a definition of covenant to have some space so that as we get into the particulars, we can then get more precise. Um, That's important as we talk about uh, the particular disputes that happen in reference to covenant theology. And as you and I have talked about, even wanting to refine some of that language, maybe to, uh, again, not be so theoretical or so dogmatic in, in some areas, maintaining orthodoxy, but elaborating on the wonder of God's communicating to us and of our fellowship and, and communion with Him, uh, that's really what's at the heart of uh, covenant and covenant theology in Scripture. And unfortunately, sometimes there are those who set um, opposed to one another who want to talk about um, covenant as more legal and uh, as it relates to um the conditions of covenant. Mm -hmm. And then there are those who want to only emphasize the loyalty and the fellowship aspect of covenant. And once again, I think that we don't need to be polarized because mm -hmm. those elements are all a part, biblically mm -hmm. speaking, of what Scripture reveals to us. Uh, and we look for the balance that comes from Scripture. So the scripture study of covenant and covenants, I think, is a lot like the study of the Holy Trinity or of the holy mysteries of God's means of grace. We call them sacraments. That's just because that's a Latin 
carryover or, or uh, based on a Latin term that is used to translate the Greek for mystery. The mysteries of God, the mysteries of communion with God, the mysteries mm-hmm. of communication from God, the mystery of who God is in, in the Holy Trinity, the wonder of his sacred persons, uh, you know, and at one t- uh, sometime in the future, we're going to talk about the Holy Trinity in covenant theology, which mm-hmm. is very important. Um, but these things are more revealed to us than they are theoretically defined. And by no means do I want to um, uh, lessen the importance of, say, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity uh, and the value of studying it and the hard and and arduous and challenging aspects of studying the Holy Trinity and the uh, attributes of God, the uh, non-communicable and the communicable attributes of God, how important those things are. And it stretches you when you start uh, looking into Scripture and, and talking about those things. But it's something, again, that we... Uh, should always maintain an awe and a reverence about uh, the same thing with how God's means of grace are operative. And we have uh, struggled and have uh, contended for the faith that the means of grace are not uh, effectual just externally, mm-hmm. but they must be attended by the presence and power and working of the Holy spirit and engaged by faith. And so uh Again, uh, something where we recognize from Holy Scripture these things rather than just uh, trying to get into some kind of very tightly bound definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to be careful here because in no way do I want to sound anti-intellectual. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there is an intellectual uh, element to this that is taxing, mm-hmm. but it is rewarding. And it is necessary to study the Holy Scriptures to be approved unto God, particularly mm-hmm. those who are going to teach and expound and um, uh, challenge others in the knowledge yeah. of Scripture. Yeah. So one of the goals uh, in this co- uh, series of conversations is hopefully to develop a covenantal consciousness and a mindset that recognizes God's pattern and practice throughout the Scriptures. And so w- with that, um, one of the things I wanted to note on this episode was a, a wonderful quote from uh, Gerhardus Voss, uh, this is from his studies in Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews. And he's commenting particularly on Hebrews ch- uh, chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. And this is what he observes. Further, the nature of the relationship, covenantal relationship, of the people of God is that of a latreia. That's the Greek word for liturgy and worship. According to Hebrews 9, 14 and 15, this latreia, this worship, this liturgy of worship is the essence of the service of God. And one of the things I wanted to note here that I hope we will explore and develop more fully as we get into the context of the scriptures themselves uh, is how connected covenant and worship are. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, in Hebrews chapter 8 and in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we have a couple of references there uh, that you, you would miss if you don't really exegete from um, the Greek in terms of uh, what's being said in uh, chapter 8, that Jesus is the leader of the heavenly worship liturgy. And in chapter 10, God is the architect and the designer of the heavenly city as a liturgical city. Mm. It's beautiful stuff, and mm. it's really worth getting into. But the connection between covenant and worship mm-hmm. is vital. And yeah. one that I hope that we'll explore more as we uh, get go along. Yeah. So um, new covenant fulfillment by which Jesus Christ as mediator brings the gospel to perfection also refines and uh, specifies the covenant with fuller revelation 
about the kingdom of God. And uh, again, one of the points that I will argue for is that the kingdom of God is the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the wonder of the new covenant uh, mm. revelation of that. Mm. Well, that that kind of takes me back um, really all the way to Genesis. Um, and we'll explore this more when we zero in on what we believe to be a covenantal arrangement with Adam in the garden um, before sin and before the covenant of grace mm-hmm. is initiated after mm-hmm. sin. Um, there is a, a relationship there that God has, a special relationship that God has with his image bearers. Um, and it's a covenantal relationship and 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 part of the terms of that relationship, God gives Adam a job to work and to guard the garden. And as you look at that whole scenario there, that whole narrative, the garden is presented to us in narrative form as a temple, you know, set on a mountain. (laughs) Um, And so Adam is really presented uh, partly as a, as a priest and Prophet, course, priest, and king. That's right. Uh, that's yes. very. We can trace that out. Mm-hmm. Um, again, even though the term covenant is not used mm-hmm. in that portion of Scripture, once again, we've talked about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity and how we discern and recognize that. And when we get to the elements that make up the pattern of biblical covenant, they can all be mm-hmm. identified there. Mm-hmm. So as you're saying that one of the essential aspects, or I would say um, maybe to put this uh, a bit better. Um, one of the end goals of the covenant relationship that God brings us into is the goal and the telos of worship, which is our primary mode and means of communion with mm-hmm. God. It's worship. Yeah, that doesn't need to be thought of in a time reference. Right. Uh, that telos, that end, has to yes. do with the completion, the That's purpose right. and completion uh, right. of, of God revealing. Uh, that communion and fellowship through worship covenantally. Yeah. Well, there's a both and there, I mm-hmm. think, in mm-hmm. the sense of we we engage in that telos, that end goal now, but there right. is a time where it will be more fulfilled yes. and completed yeah. when, when we are before the throne of God fully um, mm-hmm. in, in glory, when he, mm-hmm. when he you know, wipes away every tear. Um, when he does away with sin permanently and brings us into a state when we are unable to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so then we will be worshiping and glorifying God in the fullest sense. But now we do so, um, and we do so meaningfully, but we do so awaiting that, that fullness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see, I think, Adam initially, um, we see elements of that worship in mm-hmm. his priestly function mm-hmm. in the garden, in the garden temple, in mm-hmm. his guarding and working and doing what God had created and him. And communing. And, and communing, communing. Yeah. <laughs> with God. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, we see that as a theme then that, um, that really uh, builds and uh, progresses throughout Scripture. And, of course, we read... In Hebrews, we read some really important things about that, um, and Hebrews really does, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially you think of you think of um, in Hebrews, the writer there um, brings up the example of uh, Nabat, Nadab and Abihu, mm-hmm. um, where they were consumed with fire because they 
attempted to worship God by means that he had not appointed. Mm-hmm. And God, and you know, initiates a, a severe judgment on them. And mm-hmm. Hebrews picks up on that and says, well, we ought to worship God then with reverence and with awe mm-hmm. because our God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, there's so, so much in Hebrews. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know we can't get off on it right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and, and eventually what I'm hoping is that uh, in the future, we'll even have opportunity to do an exposition through the mm-hmm. epistle to the Hebrews. Yeah, certainly. So anyways, all that's to say is I think, I think that is something to have uh, as a, uh, as a, um, I don't know, a coat hanger rack, you know, to say, you know, you know, this is something that a peg that we're going to have to hang a coat on and, uh, and know that this is a, a, a fixture of covenant mm-hmm. theology is the worship mm-hmm. of God. Um, right. and we'll have to visit it and, um, and, and do some work to, to fill that out. I think we get to now wanting to look at what is revealed to us in scripture as a covenantal pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a discernible and repeated covenantal pattern that we find in Scripture. And it's not something we're importing into the Scripture. It's not an overlay, a schematic that we're just putting over Scripture like a transparency and you know making Scripture fit into this. It's actually from the study of Scripture, this pattern uh, comes out. And um, the individual components of this pattern, this covenantal pattern, I think are obvious from those who are familiar with the Bible. Uh, but they may not have assimilated them as a covenantal formula. And again, I'm using that terminology to try to help be more precise that this pattern and practice of God's covenantal dealing, we can actually see is a a formula that is repeated in Scripture. And when I say formula, I don't mean something that is um, uh, static or uh, that's one size fits all or, or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I mean that we can see this interaction and mm-hmm. it, we can actually recognize these particular elements or, or components. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're coalesced and connected, they come together as a whole and that whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Um, here's a beautiful expression from Psalm 25, verse 14. The secret, that is the, the confidentiality of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to um, give these components or these elements. I I think element is maybe the best term I like to use, that Mm -hmm. they're the most basic uh, parts of how God puts together Mm -hmm. his covenantal dealing, Mm -hmm. uh, this revealed covenantal pattern and practice. And so we start out with the Scriptures reveal God's covenantal pattern and practice as one divine promises sovereignly administered by the triune God. So the promises of God, anyone who's familiar with the Bible, uh, and sadly sometimes even taken out of context and put in little lists or books even of the promises of God, and I know there's a good intention about that, but those promises need to be connected Mm -hmm. with what God is doing, the triune Mm -hmm. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. and how those things are administered. They're not just open-ended promises that we can go looking through Scripture and find some promise about uh, God will give me guidance when I'm looking to buy a new car mm-hmm. or something. And we have this mm-hmm. encyclopedic kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to say God cares about how we spend our money. Right. You know, I think we can indeed pray and say, Lord, I'm asking for your providence and to help mm-hmm. and guide me in, in a particular way. I want to be wise or I I also uh, have you know limited resources that I need to be very um careful about and i Mm -hmm. want to honor you Mm -hmm. so that i'm not uh um uh 
speaking despairingly of that approach, but that oftentimes this idea of, of promise is disconnected from God's right. covenantal pattern right. and God's and, covenantal dealing providentially. Yeah. That's a good point because, um, like you said, that with that disconnection can lead to um, presuming upon God as though He's sort of like a um, like the Coke machine God, yeah. where you know I've I put my quarter in and and pressed the 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 Coca Cola button and I expect you now to deliver me a Coca Cola, um, yeah. out of the mm-hmm. out of the machine. Yeah. Um, we treat so, we treat prayer know, that way oftentimes. Prayer is our dollar bill that we stick into the machine. You know, I'm praying, right. Lord. I'm praying yeah. this promise, and right. I know there are many people well intended and well meaning. I think there's much misguided uh, books and uh, presentations about that kind of approach. And right. uh, covenant covenant does help to put that together and keep it as you were talking about within the bounds and. Mm-hmm the safety of guardrails and that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that they're divine. So that's the first. Yes. That'd be the first, ele- first element of that pattern. First, so, and, so, so divine promises. So there's a, there's a few things I think that um, would be good to tease out there. If you, do you mind spending the time on that? I'm happy to. Okay. All right. So um, divine promises. So that, that signals to us that these are initiated and come from God and identified by him. Yes. Right. And um, mm -hmm. that, I think that's important uh, to, to camp out on um, because it sets uh, the expectation or the context that, um, you know, God sovereignly initiates and sets the terms Mm -hmm. uh, for these promises and covenantally even, um, we we, I think it's important to realize that you know God is not kind of using a pattern that that we He's not borrowing man's pattern. You know, He's not borrowing something. I agree uh, with you. For, from, and that doesn't mean they're that, not what I call yeah, sub covenants between right. humans that reflect yeah. and and re, you know are even uh, consciously patterned or either yeah. unconsciously patterned. Uh, on God's uh, dealing, it's something that I think is uh, innate in our own consciousness, our God mm-hmm. consciousness. Yeah. And so the idea of uh, it's interesting because Hebrews talks about even a man's testament, mm-hmm. you know, a, w- a will and testament, mm-hmm. and uses yep. that as an example. Yep. But before that, it talks about when God could swear by no one greater. Mm-hmm. When God could make promises and reveal promises by no one greater, He mm-hmm. swore by Himself by mm-hmm. promise and oath. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so actually, on that, um, uh, Louis Burkhoff has a has a um, a statement um, where he 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 clarifies this a little bit. He says the covenants among men had been made long before God established His covenant with Noah and with Abraham. Just talking historically, mm-hmm. and um, and this prepared men then to understand the significance of a covenant in a world divided by sin. And so God providentially, I think, um, we see pre- prepares, according to Burkhoff, prepares men to understand what he's doing covenantally, even though he's not taking a page out of man's book to, yeah. know, to do what mm-hmm. he's doing. Right. Um, so, well, what uh, is it? Uh, you could really also use the Copernican uh, statement there, you know, thinking God's thoughts after him. I think it was Kepler. Or Kepler, yeah, I'm sorry. Kepler, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, thinking God's thought. And of course, he's talking, you know, he's talking about what he's doing in science, but. Yeah, um, in, in creation. Mm -hmm. But yeah. but no, I mean, it's, but it's still uh, within man's conscience. And I, that's why yeah. I think we talked about Adam and the covenant before original yeah. sin. Yeah. Uh, and while that is discernible and something that we can apply this pattern to, not importing it there, but just yeah. recognizing its elements. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so I think that that, that that element of the covenantal pattern brings some of those things out. So it so it's a divine promise, sovereignly administered. I think that's important to tease out a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, so this is God's covenants are the way that He administers His rule mm -hmm. um, and it administers or governs. I guess mm -hmm. you could say He sovereignly mm -hmm. governs as a as a king. Um, his in two ways, right? As creator, right? And then after original sin as savior, as, as and of savior, course that's yeah. uh, acknowledged in uh, Revelation four and five. God is worshipped in heaven as mm -hmm. creator and savior, which mm -hmm. is really beautiful and, right. and so majestic. Uh, yeah. But even before original sin, uh, it was still in terms of God's being creator and God's mm -hmm. being a father, heavenly father mm -hmm. to Adam yeah. In, yeah. A, in a covenant relationship, a fellowship. Right. So there's a, a there's a I think a very important twofold aspect mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. this um, that uh, that this element brings out that and um, and he has purposes both for his creation um, in general um, and he governs his creation um, as creator and he governs um, his special relationship with his image bearers with Adam and then mm -hmm. you know he governs redemption with his mm -hmm. people um, mm -hmm. bought in Christ. Um, mm -hmm. After sin, after the fall, and we really need uh, to recognize there uh, again, as you said, a twofold pattern uh, of God's general providence and His care over the mm -hmm. creation, and God's special providence as it relates to uh, the church, uh, the redeemed, mm -hmm. uh, those who are in Christ, uh, and so those that brings up a number of other very important. Uh, related mm -hmm. uh, doctrines or teachings from Scripture that are connected mm -hmm. to this. Mm -hmm. uh, so that God is active in the world of His mm -hmm. creation as Creator. Mm -hmm. God is active in the world of His children, His adopted mm -hmm. children, through yeah. the uh, spirit of adoption, through the witness of mm -hmm. uh, His fatherhood mm -hmm. uh, to those who, through Christ, are united to Him. Mm -hmm. uh, in a living relationship um, yeah. of faith and love. And so it, it administered is not a dry word. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's not dry even as you relate it, even after sin, to God's providential rule mm -hmm. um, as he cares for all men mm -hmm. <laughs> as as their creator. Yeah. His reign falls yeah. upon the just and the unjust. That's right. Right. And the, the profane uh, farmer... Yeah. You know, grows his crops, but mm -hmm. they are blessed on our table. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, right. they're good, godly farmers too, thankfully. Right. And the good, yeah. godly farmers sell their uh, uh, fruits in the uh, market and the ungodly, you mm -hmm. know, profane God, but yet they live by the hand yeah. of God. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and are used of God to sustain his creation. Yeah. Um, and to ensure that there remains a world to rule and mm -hmm. a people to redeem. Right. Um, without that, um, without that common governance, without that creational governance and providential governance, there wouldn't be a world for yeah. God to redeem. There wouldn't right. be a people for God to save. And anymore. it is God's world. It is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. a beautiful hymn. This is my father's world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. we lose sight of that sometime. We think he's been given over to the devil or, you know, that uh, we somehow are looking to be jump ship and get out of here. But that's not the tone that scripture sets. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and even when we read, um, for instance, Paul in the Areopagus, where he's trying to help um, his his Gentile and f- philosophic audience there understand who he's talking about when he's when he's helping them to know who this unknown God is, who mm-hmm. you know, him who who you say is unknown, I will proclaim to you, and um, and he tells them that in him ha- all men have life and breath in their mm-hmm. being that he gives mm-hmm. to all men their life. He gives to all men their breath. He gives to all men their very being. And so, um, you know, he it's a very important element that Paul uses mm-hmm. to um to 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 help his audience understand um th- who this God is. You're right. Um, I think so, last time we referenced John's prologue and mm-hmm. uh he he speaks of the word. The word was the light, and the light was the light of men. Mm-hmm. And so we are acknowledging and recognizing uh as we go on in this first part to the triune God, right? And that that's the great and wonderful mystery. It's the defining yeah. doctrine of our Christian faith. Yeah. So that's the, that's, that's, that's the other element. So they're divine promises. They're divine. They're promises. They're sovereignly administered, which means God that, can keep his promises, right? God, God has and, the power and authority to keep his promises. That's and right. he does, he even does, though yeah. he may, and this is another important element that will, our, our, important recognition that we'll get into is that um, what we assume are God's providences are are God's promises are not always his telos or his goal. Mm -hmm. So things change, not because Mm -hmm. God changes, but because we didn't have the full picture of what he was doing. (laughs) Right. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, important as covenant develops that last element there of that first part is they're administered by the triune God. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to say once again, this is not a passing comment, sort of like the token, right. you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, orthodox comment. Oh, right, mm-hmm. the triune God. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. The 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 fact that that, or if that, we had left, if we had left the term triune out and just said right. God, right. Would, would that have been noticed? And, right. and I'm not trying to be um, uh, arrogant here, but what I am, that was intentional. Triune God, and that does mm-hmm. not need to be right. overlooked. And one of the things that we'll get into right. that we talked a little bit about before, touched on in reference to the creator-creature distinction, is the mm-hmm. essence of who God is. Sometimes that's called the ontology, the essence of who God is in his otherness and in his godness. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, the economy of the works of God. Mm-hmm. And that that becomes very important in our mm-hmm. having a good balance of understanding covenantal theology and our referencing the triune God. And this particularly yeah. is important when we get down to the office of Messiah and, mm-hmm. and the Lord Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. We already reflected mm-hmm. on Adam originally as a prophet, priest, and king. So those things tie together. But the triune God becomes a, 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 a foundational uh, doctrine for our grasping covenantal theology. Right, right. And it will um, be really important then to understand that that when we're talking about the triune God, there are some things that you do mean and some things that you don't mean. Yes. <laughs> and right. uh, and you want to be careful. But we want to say that God, you know, in his triunity, he's he's always three in one. Mm-hmm. And so God is always working in concert with mm-hmm. with his triune being. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that's who he is. That's, that's who right. he is in his essence. Yeah. And so you you can never formulate something or you should never formulate something in terms of theology that 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 does damage to who God has essentially right. revealed himself to be. Mm-hmm. So that the persons of the Trinity are always working in concert with one another mm-hmm. and never at the detriment to the unity of mm-hmm. The, you the know, there's a beautiful God. harmony, mm-hmm. and that harmony is not redundancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, we also must not press by human logical necessity limitations or mm-hmm. impose certain mm-hmm. restrictions or mm-hmm. uh, categories on God mm-hmm. that Scripture does not give us. Yeah, well, and I think you know that that um, that Psalm, that verse in uh, Psalm 25 that you led with, that those who fear the Lord are brought into His secret or confidentiality um you know he'll and he will reveal his covenant to them um you know there there are mysteries involved Mm -hmm. in um especially when you get into the essence of god um Mm -hmm. we we god accommodates us as his creatures so that we can know something about them Mm -hmm. about him something true but we can never know the way he knows and we can never know um the, you know, fully. There, Exhaustively. There are, yeah, mm-hmm. right. But what, what is revealed to us is to build us up in faith that we can trust God in the things we cannot see or understand. Right, right. So so we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because this gets to the uh, fifth, I think the fifth element of your right. pattern here. Um, and I'm just going to skip ahead and and, and give okay. a taste of of, uh, of of what this fifth element is. And you say that that the this this covenantal pattern is engaged by faith engaged by faith for future inheritance or rejected by unbelief resulting in judgment. But the engaged by faith, I think, captures what you're saying there, mm-hmm. is that even though we don't know God as he knows himself in himself, because he's creator and we're creature, and there's a, um, you know, we can never we can never bridge that, that divide. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know God truly by faith. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that doesn't mean that God is... Um, bringing us into the knowledge of himself as he knows himself. Mm-hmm. But what that does mean is he's, he's bringing us into a true knowledge of mm-hmm. him yes. that, that allows us to trust mm-hmm. who he a is. Who he a creaturely says. knowledge, right. you know, but image bearer knowledge. Right. I mean, here's a, here's a little tease, um, and that is consider Adam before the fall. How did Adam engage by faith? It was not redemptive faith, mm-hmm. but as a creature, Adam engaged by faith. Hmm. Um, it, in a, I don't know that we can fully explain that, yeah. but we can acknowledge it. Right. Yeah. He was having to trust, mm-hmm. um, and he was having to rely on the testimony of God to say, mm-hmm. I am who I say I am. And the things that I've revealed to you, like mm-hmm. not eating of and the And the tree, special presence you know? of God as well, different than what was revealed of God's creature, uh, uh creator, uh, mm-hmm. uh, abilities and wonder in the things that Adam were engaged. Adam was engaged in of creation. I mean, I think, for example, of naming the animals, mm-hmm. you know, and so that he was engaged with the wonder of God's creation. But mm-hmm. that was different than the personal fellowship mm-hmm. and communion that he had with God. Uh, and so those things are really wonderful to to consider and to look at. And I know we have to be careful not to go too far beyond in speculation. But there are just some things that we can really see mm-hmm. by distinction and difference between the original relationship and then the restored and redeemed relationship. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay, so um, 
So we've got sort of the two end caps then of, of our, <laughs> of our pattern here. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, uh, I think we'll have to move, um, a little more quickly through the <laughs> well we can come rest. back if we want to sure. yeah that's uh, a good t- idea. touch on some of these so okay yep. so number one the first element in this covenantal pattern is divine promises sovereignly administered by the triune god the second element is attended by blessings or curses that is covenant keeping or covenant breaking per the expressed terms mm-hmm. and the attention uh, over the debate of conditions in the covenant, I think is eased somewhat if we talk about terms, God's covenant mm-hmm. in terms, because I see terms as a different word entailing more than conditions. Okay. And that's something that maybe will be explained as we look into the specifics of God's covenantal dealing. But uh, so God's sovereign promises that he administers as the triune God are also attended by blessings or curses, and I know that's a recognizable uh, mm-hmm. condition or, or term or mm-hmm. uh, application that, mm-hmm. that people are familiar with Scripture. So there's blessings or curses. But these blessings or curses are tied to covenant keeping or covenant breaking as they relate expressly to the terms that God has revealed. And so while there's continuity in the terms that God reveals, there is also specification And we'll see that as we start looking into the historical development of the covenants, how God specifies. Um, So I won't I won't jump ahead, but we'll we'll see those kinds of terms worked out. And they're also uh, worked out in specific ways, like with number three, and that is ratified by an oath witnessed with responding vows. Mm. So so oaths and vows that we Mm -hmm. find in Scripture. Um, and we're talking here oaths and vows relative to divine covenants mm. because there are oaths and vows that are in subcovenants. Uh, you sure. might think of uh, uh, oaths uh, of office or you might think of vows of marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so those are reflective, I think. But we're talking now specifically about the oaths that are witnessed of God's speaking, mm-hmm. his promises, and the, the vows that are uh, of response to God mm. covenantally in reference to his promises and terms. Mm. Um, so would you, would you say then that the, the oath um, partly uh, is connected to the sovereign administration uh, of the covenant saying that God sovereignly and unilaterally uh, makes an oath um, yes, in in his divine covenant, but the response, that's the way he expresses his promise. Right. That, uh, the yeah. oath gives content to the promise, right? By, right. By, because God could swear by no one greater, He swore by Himself, yeah. giving promise and oath to yeah. two unchangeable things. Yeah, uh, we're told, and I think uh, you might want to explain a little bit when you say unilateral. That's another one of the areas yeah. of discussion in covenant yeah. theology. So uh, maybe tell a little bit so that everybody knows what we're talking about here. Well, I mean, uni is one lateral, you know, one one way, mm-hmm. um, and so the oath that God makes sovereignly, um, he he does one way um, from God to man. Yes, uh, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a response. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is that, that it's is initiated part. with him. That's the content right. is go- right. owned and given by him. He that's sets right. the terms. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's unilateral. So, it comes one way from God. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And but response so, is required. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. There's a, but but also um, that response in in God's graciousness is um, is 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 something that God gives to man as a gift. Um, a get the gift mm-hmm. of faith. Um, mm-hmm. So we respond in faith to God. Because God condescends to us 
in his grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so that doesn't mean that there's just a one way relationship. That's right. Um, but it, but it does mean that, that God is the, is the sovereign in their mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that means more than just he's a, he's a, he's our, he's our king, you know, mm-hmm. that can, that, that kind of do what he, what he wants because God's also our father. And so it's mm-hmm. very good news that he's sovereign in the mm-hmm. relationship. Um, because his unilateral stooping to us in grace is what allows us to respond to him in faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a, there is a, um, there is, there's a both and, I guess is the best way to, for me to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that, that guards against, that guards against saying, you know, um, well, God, you know, it's almost like a, you know, once saved, always saved. You know, if God mm-hmm. saved me once, um, it doesn't really matter what I do after that because, um, because it's unilateral and, uh, and my, my side of the relationship isn't what matters. You know, that's not, that's not the appropriate way to go. No, um, it borders on a fatalism. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. you know, um, without some of the sting to it. <laughs> yeah. But we, we want to avoid that. And that's one of the things, too, about the development of the covenant and seeing mm-hmm. the interaction uh, through covenant that we have in Scripture of God's personal involvement so that mm-hmm. God's not just a cosmic bookkeeper. Right. And, and yeah. he's represented yeah. in all kinds of, of wrong uh, and um, uh, disrespectful ways oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so covenant is... in. Uh, both in terms of God's otherness, His transcendence, that He condescends, that He sets the terms, that He, uh, and and we'll see even in those terms how God affects and meets those terms Mm -hmm. in His love. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much here, but uh, also that how he his eminence is present. And He, Mm -hmm. in in terms of the covenant, His eminent presence is a part Mm -hmm. in His unilateral Mm -hmm. condescending it's not an austere and yeah. uh, uh, f- um, monster kind of <laughs> right. thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, one of the you know one of the things that you were uh, bringing up there is this: it's 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 ratified uh, by an oath, and so like in in um, in Genesis twenty six, God says to Isaac, "I will establish the oath that I swore." One of the code Abraham's, words your father, that we mentioned exactly. before. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. And yeah. so here, you know, oath is a stand-in for the covenant he had made mm-hmm. with Abraham to give mm-hmm. him a land and, and to make mm-hmm. his descendants like the, the sands of the seashore. Um, and uh, and and it, this is the content of that promise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we see, you know, God is saying, I swore the oath. Mm-hmm. I swore the mm-hmm. oath to Abraham. No, now I required of Abraham a response. Um you know, and and, and, we know and I that. set the terms. That's and right. When we get into the yeah. covenant with Abraham. It's so rich and so yeah. wonderful. I mean, I'm excited for us to get there. One one thing I want to mention too is that um, these elements are identifiable. They're a pattern in Scripture, mm-hmm. and we need to be very careful uh, to assign covenant where these elements are not present. And mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to throw out a. Uh, um, Maybe a a, a a bomb, a, a bomb. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna throw out a bomb here. <laughs> okay, and that is, I, I, if we do not have these elements represented in the Intertrinitarian Council, then we need to be very careful about trying to import them there. Yeah, and okay. so uh, in my view, God's um, equal resolve between the, the the Holy Trinity is not an oath. Mm. You know, when God swore an oath, Hebrews says 
by promise uh, mm-hmm. and oath because he could swear by no one greater. Mm-hmm. He was revealing that and communicating that to to Abraham and to humans, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in his covenant dealings. But we need to be very careful about importing that into the um, essence of God's mm-hmm. uh, triune being yes. and and the equal ultimacy that exists yeah. uh, in that great and astounding mystery of the yeah. Trinity. But yeah. I know we're not ready to go there yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good caution. Um, and like you said, uh, we won't be able to flesh that out. But it really what that gets at is being able to distinguish between what we're talking about um, when we're when we're trying to understand God as he is in himself mm-hmm. and the proper terms to use for that and not mm-hmm. importing elements that um, – that that would make that intra trinitarian uh, relationship less than what it is, or different mm-hmm. than what it actually is, mm-hmm. um, or trying to know, accommodate it. Yeah, in terms of again uh, pressed human logical necessity. Right. Uh, and one of the points that I I, I want to make is that this pattern and these elements of the covenant are recognizable and repeated mm-hmm. in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So it's not something we're making up, or as I said before, it's not something that we're do, using an overlay to, to fit Scripture into. But these things are uh, mm-hmm. identifiable in every one of the covenantal relationships that are revealed to us scripturally. Um, mm-hmm. And that brings us to the fourth element, and that is sealed with pledges of covenantal meaning using natural signs to seal supernatural realities. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again, we have the promises that are sovereignly administered by the triune God, attended by blessings and curses, covenant-keeping or covenant-breaking, based on the express terms that God gives unilaterally, as you indicated, Mm -hmm. uh, ratified by an oath that um, is witnessed by responding vows, and then sealed. Uh, God sets his stamp of approval on this, and to do that, he gives pledges with that covenant meaning that are connected to mm-hmm. the promises that he's made and to the, the oath that he's given. And the covenantal meaning uh, uses natural signs to seal supernatural realities. Mm-hmm. And we'll, again, get into those, whether it's the rainbow or circumcision or mm-hmm. the Passover lamb mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, the throne of the kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there are many, many <laughs> that we ba- can identify. Baptism in the Lord's Supper? Yeah, baptism. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're going there. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. we're going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, and one of the things that I pointed out here that I thought was interesting is if you should do a kind of the real high overview with reference to God's sealing pledges, you start with non-bloody, mm-hmm. you go to bloody, and mm-hmm. you end with non-bloody. Interesting, yeah. Uh, well, you you end with non-bloody, you, you meaning um, the Lord's Supper and baptism. Baptism in the Lord's Supper. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but as a... In the New Covenant, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but those... But those bring to mind bring to remembrance of course something that uh yeah was bloody. Very, very bloody yeah yeah death, right bloody um, meaning death yeah right exactly and the and the cross and um yeah yeah uh, so, christ our passover sacrifice for us mm-hmm. you yeah. know let us be baptized baptized with the baptism in which he was baptized yeah um, yeah so, but the, I think the 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 point is this pattern. Then you can actually tease out and see um, the elements of this pattern. You can see in in all the things that we would argue are covenantal arrangements uh, between God mm-hmm. and um, and 
what he means to govern both mm-hmm. in creation and in redemption. And once again, you, the pattern is not redundant. It's repeated, yeah. but each time yeah. God gives more information. God, mm-hmm. God reveals it to us with deeper meaning and with um, drawing in additional uh, um, information. So mm-hmm. God's uh, covenant with Adam before the fall, God's covenant with Adam after the fall. It's not a redundancy. It has a different content, as yeah. these things will uh, indicate, but it gives us more understanding. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I think that sets us up then to to do um, uh, an overview of, a brief overview of the actual covenants that we see unfold uh, throughout Scripture. And I think we'll save that for another conversation because we've gone about 45 minutes. And, okay. Um, and I think we really should... Um, you know, spend another half hour or so running, you know, doing a, a broad run through mm-hmm. of what you call the economy of the covenants um, and uh, um, and tease out some of these elements as we're talking about the the covenant with Adam before sin and the covenant with Adam after sin mm-hmm. and um, and the various Noah, stages Abraham, of Moses, that covenant. And David. Mm-hmm. I mean, those right. are the identifiable covenants mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and those are connected uh, in such a wonderful way to bring us up to the new covenant and the mm-hmm. fulfillment that is in Christ, and uh, uh, as He says, in His blood, and uh, the promise, the long-awaited promise, the the beginning from uh, Genesis and the first proclamation of the gospel, uh, you know, after original sin, mm-hmm. and how this unfolds for us and develops so that mm-hmm. we can look at each one of these. And we can scripturally identify the five elements of the covenant that are there. Uh, and from that, we see the connection uh, just enriching and uh, growing. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to sign us off, Dad. And thanks for the conversation. It's been really, really good and um, and rich. Uh, so I hope folks who are listening um, are able to follow along. We're going to get into um, some more uh, helpful conversations about this in our next episode and further from there as well. Um, and uh, I want to remind folks that you can check us out on Facebook at NC Convo. Um, and our uh, website will be up and running hopefully soon. That'll be www.nccombo.com. Also uh, submitted the podcast to iTunes, so I'm just waiting on them to approve it and make it public on iTunes. Um, Once that happens, check us out there so that you can um, rate the show. And if you enjoy the content and you would like it to be more visible to people who are looking for good theological content, Um, then give us a five-star rating on iTunes once that's available. Um, Last thing is we were talking about perhaps putting these uh, videos up on YouTube. So if you like to consume your content from YouTube, then then hopefully that will be up and and ready um, uh, fairly soon. Um, So uh, we'll give more information there as, uh, as we're able to. Um, Other than that, I think we're ready to uh, say goodbye and thanks for joining us. All right, Doc Sotheo.